welcome to a very special episode of the International Classroom Podcast. This week, we were invited along to the Middle East Schools Leadership Conference here in Dubai, and we had the opportunity to sit down with some fantastic sponsors, guest speakers, and leaders from all around the Middle East. In this episode, we have put together some of those best conversations from most influential and highly regarded leaders that were there. So sit back, relax, and let's get on to the episode. Thank you ever so much for joining me on the International Classroom Podcast. We are coming live, I say live, but slightly edited here, from uh, the Middle East Leadership Conference at a wonderful hotel. Have you ever been here before? No, I've never. It's the first time. First time. Have you been, are you based in Dubai or? No, no, it's my first trip over here. So a world challenge I've operated in the Middle East for many years, but it's uh, new to me. So uh, okay. a new experience. And obviously that's what we're here to talk about at this part, world challenge. So what is World Challenge and how do you think then it connects to the theme today about empathy? Well, World Challenge is an organisation that provides student-led expeditions uh, for our young people um, through uh, exciting, adventurous uh, itineraries in many different destinations across the world. So they do a variety of activities. They do trekking, they do working alongside local communities and uh, they do a bit of sightseeing as well while they're out there. So the whole point of World Challenge is to help develop students, giving them a bit of a global mindset, but providing them with some important life skills, so confidence, resilience, and uh, they come back very sort of motivated, changed individuals, uh, opening up their, their eyes to sort of a greater possibility within themselves and, and the world. Um, so with regards to motivation, it's important for our young people to see different communities and cultures and see what they are like. And uh, I feel if they've experienced something like that, they will be able to um, have that sense of empathy going forward with their life as well. Yeah, definitely. So a greater understanding, especially from a Dubai perspective. Students here are, are kind of find themselves sometimes in a little bit of a bubble, mm. isolated in terms of, you know, what things are happening outside the world. So what type of countries, type of countries, what countries do you sort of travel to uh, and what are the types of, therefore, cultures they get to see? Yeah, definitely. We are all about breaking out that bubble out of the comfort zone. Uh, we go to uh, many different countries throughout South, uh, Southeast Asia is really popular now, Borneo, Cambodia, uh, Central Asia with India, Nepal, Sri Lanka, some African destinations from Morocco, Tanzania, Namibia, um, some South American destinations, Ecuador and Peru and uh, some Central America as well, as well as uh, European, Norway, Croatia, Albania. So lots and lots of different destinations. I don't think we've got time to name them all. And it's, it all depends what the school and what the students are looking for in a, in, in a trip, depending on the destination, they'll get to experience different things and see different cultures. Oh, that sounds amazing. One of the things you told me about sort of before we started this, which scared me as a teacher, was uh, <laughs> what you do with the students or when they first arrive. Yeah, well, many of our, our trips are putting the onus back in the students. We want them to have a bit of an ownership over the trip, so they're quite student-led. So uh, this can be daunting, as I said, for the teachers because we give the students all the money for the budget for the trip. So uh, it's up to a team of students to, to manage that and uh, budget for the supplies and the food uh, that they might need for the duration of that one or two week trip that they'll be on. So they need to change money into the local currency. They need to get a SIM card for the team phone. They need to decide what restaurants they can eat at or what supplies they need for their trek. Um, so 
as well as uh, some of the prearranged activities that they'll be doing. The students have uh, a lot of say of exactly what they might want to do in their free time. So if they want to do adventurous activities or if they want to do some sightseeing or some relaxing at the beach or whatever it is, uh, it'll be up to the students so that it will really feel like it's their trip, their experience moulded. Uh, and it also means for the teachers, every trip's a bit different as well. Uh, although you, the teachers will need to eat what the students want to eat as well, which <laughs> might not yeah. be the best. <laughs> Are the students cooking this food? Uh, very often, sometimes, oh. that they will cook it, depending <laughs> on destinations. <laughs> it sounds like phenomenal. Now, obviously, the world's opened back up, obviously, with the pandemic. But to be able to often do those trips and offer this to, to students is fantastic. So if people want to learn more about this, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, you can visit our uh, our website, uh, World Challenge. We are worldchallenge.com. And uh, you get to see on there all the different destinations and itineraries that we offer. Amazing. Thank you so much for uh, taking a bit of time to come and speak to us today. Uh, enjoy the rest of the conference. Brilliant. Thank you. Morgan, thank you for coming in to speak to me today. Uh, at, uh, I always have to look there to make sure I'm saying at the Middle East School Leadership Conference. Um, <laughs> how have you found it so far? Really lovely. I think because the theme is empathy, so much of the first few sessions have been about how to care for others and really listen. And I think there's been this kind of natural collaboration that's happening in the room as we discuss the topics together. So it's been a really lovely start. What's been one of the highlights that you've had then from these first few sessions? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> that's actually pretty hard to choose. I just came out of the session where we were talking about uh, happy, confident learners. And I think what's really striking there is that we need to know our students and it means making mental health and well-being a part of every single day in our classrooms. So checking in, spending that 10 minutes per day for students to recenter and be really introspective and think about how they can create behaviors for well-being that actually propel them into learning. So that was really fantastic. Nice. And you're also speaking today, aren't you? I am. I'm really excited to speak today. So what's your, we're going to get too much out there. Um, <laughs> what is going to be the theme then of your, uh, your talk? So my theme is all about equity and challenge. I think that challenge is one of those things that naturally we want every single student to experience in school. And equity is one of those things that it structures where sometimes challenge doesn't happen. And it's really important to me because for me, Equity is empathy. It's making sure that no matter what the starting point, every single student is given the opportunity to succeed and the extension that they need to really thrive. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. It's going to be amazing. A lot of people I get to speak to talk a lot about equality and equity and opportunities, one that we start to see along now. Um, but there's sometimes that confusion about what the term equity actually means, isn't there? Yes, I think that equity is incredibly important. It's very different than equality. Equality means everyone might have a seat at this table, but it doesn't mean that there is equal voice or power to that voice. Equity is very much about looking at how we can give restorative justice, that we can ensure that everyone has an opportunity to thrive because um, they're given an equal platform. Um, it goes so much further than just diversity. Um, equity is something that looks at systems and making sure that we dismantle systems that aren't working for us to create those opportunities. Okay, and put you on the spot. If you were to offer one key piece of advice to people watching and listening to do with equity and how that obviously allows empathy to come in, what would it be? Oh, that is a really good question because I would write 350 pages on that. <laughs> 
Um, I think that we need to question our own assumptions. I think that's my piece of advice. I think that we assume a lot of the times that people feel free to speak up and that students feel free to speak up when they don't. And empathy means that we are constantly putting ourselves in other people's shoes, but also that we don't just go on our own experience and we listen very actively to others and give them the platform to speak to their own experience. Amazing. I think a great piece of advice there. And it's a very short snippet. So thank you ever so much. Appreciate you diving in for us. Um, I'll let you now go off to, to this one. And, and best of luck, by the way. Luck is the wrong term. Enjoy, should I say. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the talk you give later on. Yeah, thank you so much. It's so lovely to speak with you. Too. I said, Hayley, thank you for coming and uh, dropping in to speak to us. Not that you were pressured to do this at all in any way, shape or form, were you? Um, how has the morning been for you? Yeah, the morning's been amazing, um, very inspiring. And it's been amazing to just talk to people on a human level. So I was the opening keynote and my keynote was basically about being a real model rather than a role model and about the importance of being human and how with my keynotes and the sessions that I do across the world, I'm always connecting with human beings. And we live in a world that people feel like they have to have it all together. Social media, they feel like, hey, like I've got to post the highlights and the high life. And sometimes it's okay just not to be okay, right? And sometimes it's okay not to have it all together. So I think, you know, you know, there's been different themes about vulnerability, leadership, and the fact that everyone here, everyone is in this conference here to learn. And I think it's beautiful to have that open discussion of learning together. So, yeah. I love what you open with there. A real model. Not a role model. Never heard that before. Yes. I, what then, if we break that down, what's a real model? A real model, somebody who's real. Somebody who's real and somebody who's willing to be human. Because we live in a world where everyone's trying to be perfect. And my whole phrase is, make being real ideal. Let's put it, let's make it sexy again, you know? <laughs> let's make being real sexy again. Let's make being human authentic, you know, um, authentic over perfect. That's the best I can say it. And I think because we live in a social media age where people are selectively placing what they're putting out there, people are now comparing their everyday life to a picture. Mm that's very dangerous and that's very scary. And because people are doing that comparison thing of this is what perfectionism is and my life isn't, where we're just forgetting that, no, they're just selecting what they're putting out there. So just having those honest conversations to be like, oh, by the way, today I don't feel the best or today I'm actually struggling in leadership or I'm struggling with, you know, if you're an expat, fitting into the culture or I'm struggling with the kids or the leadership or the colleagues or whatever it is, just being open and honest about it. So how would you, if you were to give one piece of advice for the educators who are listening and watching this about how they could bring that into their classroom mm -hmm. to be a real model for their students, you know, and even for the teachers they work with, what would you say is a good starting point for that? Lead from the front. Um, I really believe that words are powerful. Obviously, in teaching or education, your words matter, right? You're basically speaking day in and day out. If you're not willing to speak to yourself, I don't think you should speak. If you're not willing to have those conversations for yourself, I don't think you should be having conversations. If you're not willing to empower yourself, encourage yourself in the mirror, in, a, in, a, in your own private space, I don't think you should be doing it for anyone else. You need to leave from the front. And that is what I mean in terms of the reality of being human. It's making sure you're looking within yourself first before you're being that teacher. And I'll say the last thing is, you're a, well, this is the assumption that people are teaching. So whoever's listening to this, my assumption is that you're a teacher. You're a teacher part-time and a student all the time always be willing to learn, never feel like you've arrived. The amazing thing about being here in Dubai is that Dubai is developed and it's developing. If you go anywhere in Dubai, you see that there's always development. And it just shows that even Dubai, which is meant to be the most visited tourist place in the world, 
is not fully developed and that's okay. So constantly be willing to develop. Amazing. I think that's an absolutely fantastic piece of advice to give, you know, especially in the world we currently live in. And I'm guilty of it as well, Yeah. you know, in terms of this, that's going to go out, you know, and it's going to go into social media and it's important to be able to have those conversations, whether it's male, female, them, they, whoever it is Mm. to be able to be honest, I think, and be fearless. Yes. In terms of having that conversation. And I think if we can overcome that and a lot of the things I've seen is find the right troop. I think that's a really important thing. Yeah. If you're not with someone that Tribe you feel yeah, I love that. that you can be open and honest with, Come on. then actually get a new one. Yeah. And I think from what you've said today. So good. I just wanted to add one of the growing, I don't want to say it's a disease. One of the growing issues is loneliness. Yes. In a, in a world that has so much tech, in a world that we're meant to connect with so many people from across the world. How is loneliness still the biggest issue? Stephen Bartlett said that. I remember, and I listened to, uh, I said it to my students when I gave uh, an assembly to them. I said, you are in a generation that all these want to be entrepreneurs, want to really sort of that, you know, burn the candle at both ends type of lifestyle and really be successful. You're doing it in your bedroom on your own. And they were like, but they really are. They are a generation that are at risk of that. And I think for us educators, it's parents, and general, you know, the village that builds. Yes. Actually, we got to pull them out from that. That's so good. Sorry, this, the, the, the conversation is so good. And I know we're only short for time, but African proverb, I'm, being, I'm African. Um, African proverb is it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. And that's probably the most powerful thing. And also another African proverb is, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm Gen Z, so I don't remember my house without internet. I've been on every single app there is, from Pixo to Bebo to MySpace to TikTok to X to Twitter to Instagram, Snapchat, WhatsApp, BBM. I've been in everything. Of all of those, at least I know we were friends with Tom together. <laughs> right! <laughs> we both knew Tom, right? On MySpace. Yeah. Um, and my generation, the unfortunate thing is, um, age is decreasing and mental health is increasing. Right. Mental health issues, they're increasing suicide is increasing and it's because of the fact that loneliness is 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 a, is a huge it's a prevalent thing and i'm hoping that these type of conversations obviously you're having these are human that's why i love podcasts yeah. you're having these human human sit down conversations we are chill i love the setup i love the lighting it's dim it's cool um we're just having an open conversation right yeah. and we're from different walks of life but we're we're meeting on the topic of we're passionate about Students becoming better, humans becoming better, leaders becoming better, and I love that. So thank you for having me. I'd like to a hundred dirhams for every time someone said to me today, "It's nice to meet you <laughs> yes. in real." Wow! Because so many people yes. are used to it's like I've seen, seen you online. On, mm. They go, "I've seen you on LinkedIn or yeah. I've seen your podcast." It's nice to meet you in person. Right. And I think that closing part from this is go and make real connections. Come on. There we go. Boom. 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 Mike, I've got no mic to drop. I need this mic. Can't <laughs> <Boom>. do it. <laughs> hey, thank, thank you. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. We could talk for a while, couldn't we? Yeah, we could. Uh, maybe we might have to do this again. <laughs> Definitely. There yeah, for sure. Here. Let's Let's go. Go. All right, awesome. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for dropping by. Um, I'm going to say you've got a hard act to follow now, but no pressure. We'll be absolutely fine. We'll be absolutely fine with that. Um, I think it's not a hard, just a hard act to follow. It's just actually a very complimentary and yeah, so I'm really happy to have come to to come after Haiti. No, it's amazing. So, what brings you to the conference today? So, um, we've launched our program internationally. It's a program, well-being and mental health program for children. And what I realized um, six years ago now 
is that actually everyone is at risk, even my most positive child. She was eight at the time, called Yasmin. She went through a tough time and she ended up admitting after me coaching her that she hated herself. And that was a pretty shock, a big shock for any parent, but particularly for a parenting coach who's supposed to know whether I had written five books about parenting. But my light bulb moment was realizing that I had the tools to actually get her to express this and to be able to understand. And then for the next couple of days, she started going around the house going, I'm a fallible human being, I'm a fallible human being. So I, I, I managed to explain to her that, you know, it's okay to have bad behavior. And so, but in the majority of households, she would have been punished and she would have just stopped doing it because obviously you don't want to be punished. And then she would have done it out of fear. And the problem is she would have reproduced that feeling that she wasn't good. She wasn't a good child. And I decided, you know what? I've been working with parents for, it was six years already, working with parents. Well, it's so important that we work with kids as well. I was always asked by parents, can you take care of my kids? I was like, oh, stop wanting to outsource <laughs> your kids. Just you have to do hard work as well. Yeah. But then I realized, actually, children don't have a safe space. It's schools particularly, but also at home often, to be able to express these things, to be able to get them off their chest because before they become a problem. And so that's why I work with leading therapists, lots of teachers and children themselves to create a program that enables to give the kids actually these tools that they need to express themselves, the emotional literacy to understand their behavior, and then to be able to face any challenge and rewire their brain for positivity, for success and to thrive. Amazing. There's a lot to unpack from that, oh, isn't there? There's a, there's a lot to unpack. Um, so how do you bring that into the education space? What is it you're doing? To obviously help then students, but also help teachers be able to push that to yeah, them as well. Great question. And that, because the, what we, it used to be an hour a week program. Yeah, and then we'd have the teachers go, but um, the problem is I don't have an hour a week. The, the curriculum is so packed. And so we actually ended up transforming this into an opportunity in that we use the science of habits to just do it five to 10 minutes a day. And in five to 10 minutes, actually achieve much more than an hour a week because then it becomes ingrained in the curriculum. So actually the children talk about feeling, it becomes part of their day-to-day -day life to be able to express themselves. And when they're having a challenge, they, they share it or they help each other out because part of the program is about doing what we call the feel it promise. Because the program is called feel it. One of the programs is called feel it. And the promise is actually about how we're going to help each other out when we have difficult feelings. And so you see these kids go, oh, I see you're sad or you're angry instead of, excluding them, they actually find ways to help them out. And that's beautiful because it creates inclusivity. It creates realization that actually we're all okay. And one of the big transformations of kids is also to realize that other kids have negative thoughts as well. Not just negative feelings, but also well, we don't talk about negative thought, feelings. We say uncomfortable, unpleasant feelings, but they also have negative. So that they have negative thoughts like, oh, I'm not the only one. Mm. But, and actually, I, don't, I can do something about these thoughts. I don't have to just believe them. You know, it's like when, I don't know if you're aware, but you go hermits that go 20 years in a cave and they come out and you ask them, so what is the one thing that you really learned in 20 years? They say, oh, actually that I'm not my thoughts. Yeah. And so teaching this to kids early on and getting out of these loops of negative loops, basically we literally teach them cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the So we brought like kind of decades of personal development, summarized it for kids, made it engaging. And so through video programs, activities, and also journals, mindfulness journals and gratitude journals. Uh, and so it's great because Haley actually was talking about this in her talk. And it's very much about how do you bring that to kids in an engaging way? Yeah, my wife laughs at me because oh. I kind of, I've taken this on board and she'll hear me talking. So like, who are you talking to? And I go, Steve. 
She goes, who's Steve? And Phyllis, it's my inner, inner voice. And she's like, Great. why? And she goes, because I am not my thoughts. And it's very much the same. If you can name that and you go, just talking to Steve, it's like, me and Steve aren't the same person. And it's that, and I say it to my kids all the time and I say it to the kids in my class and they think, you're crazy. It's like, but it's true. You know, and then I say to them, why does the voice in your head have the same accent as you? And that really oh, blows wow. their minds. They're like, yes. you can see them sitting there going, and it's like, are you thinking to yourself, is that your voice? Is that your inner voice? And then they're just like, uh, just That's great. blowing Love students' it. minds. Um, and actually, to be honest, the thing is, what's really important as well, is that they're not in opposition to this voice, no. but they, they integrate it. So it's still, you know, it's a different part of them, but actually it's the, the latest research on psychology. It shows that it's about integration, integrating these different parts of us and accepting them. And that allows to like let go of this big battle that we sometimes have, yeah. but but definitely not just agree and accept. Exactly, this, uh, yeah. exactly. And I brought this. This is what I sneaked off uh, for. I was given a, a pack of these, you can sort of, and uh, I was showing these. These look amaz amazing. Like, and I've seen my my kids. I have two young daughters at home, uh, ten and eight, oh, and they perfect. come in and talk about their. My eldest especially talking about her feelings. She's like, I'm blue today. I'm oh, red. She's re okay, great. And they really use and the they same. started to integrate it in. I was like, right, okay. Now, what do, what do I need to do? Because me and my wife have this conversation uh, and it's like, do you get mad at adults? Do you ever get mad at adults? And she's like, no. And she goes, what happens when you come home? It's like, do you get mad at your children? She's like, yes. yes. And you can see it's because it's like, there's my safe space. I'm putting it now all onto my kids. And actually I don't fully understand then the consequences of that. And obviously everything you're talking about and all these things that I think would not just be great for classrooms, is like parents need to get their hands on these as well because, and what I like from this, ages, four to 99 years old is what it says on the back. I love it, I absolutely love it. Because you're right, it's for everyone. And like we said earlier, it takes a village. If I'm not in tune with this, if I don't know what's going on, how am I supposed to be a real model to those students if I'm not comfortable with my own feelings? So something like this and how they are, I think is fantastic. Thank you, and it's actually for the teachers as well. And so the yeah. teachers are actually learning from the program as much as the kids. And that's why a lot of people put these, our feel it mappers, which are similar to the mood meter that you're talking about with the blue and, and red feelings and the yellow and, and green feelings. They also put in staff rooms yeah. because the staff start speaking this, this language of feelings and actually feel much better. And that prevents burnout and prevents, so it became, it creates more compassion and empathy everywhere. What's really fascinating about the cards as well is, so I created them because I, when I would go to my therapist, he would say, well, how are you feeling? And I would go, oh, I think. Yeah. I'm feeling and I would justify why I'm supposed to feel this way because I didn't really have access to that language of feeling and so using the cards uses different part of the brain so actually it enables us to, to really connect more with the feelings and then be able to self-express yeah. ourselves yeah I get this a lot because your wife comes in the door and I'm like how's your day been how are you doing today how are you feeling yeah I think I'm all right it's like hang on a minute those and we see it and we do it all the time don't we and it's like you think and it's like no how do you feel and then it's like, yeah, I think I'm good. It's like, right, okay. Uh, and you can see don't we, that language, that crossover. So everything like this, I think, is, is fantastic. Um, if, for people out there interested in this and want to learn more about it, where is a good place to find you? So our website, happyconfident.com. So it's called the Happy Confident Company. I'm a chief happiness officer. Best, best job in the world. <laughs> and, and it's happyconfident.com. Uh, and so it's cool, but it's also parents, as you said, yeah. it's so important that parents can also access these. So we've got a 10 week program, first children in families. And we also use that program in school so that actually they all understand and all speak the same language. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I've also got to give uh, 
nice little nod to the heart that you've got on your glasses there. I <laughs> that's, think that's amazing. That's my kids. <laughs> Valentine's. I had, I had one on my laptop and it's like I've peeled off of it. After two years, it's peeled off and being thrown around. <laughs> But no, amazing. Well, Nadine, thank you ever so much thanks, for your time. It's been amazing. All right, fantastic. Michael, thanks for uh, popping by. Thank you. Um, especially straight after the session. Yes. Um, how was that for you? It was good. It was uh, a bit interesting to have some powerful kind of people from the Middle East region in my session learning from little old me. But it went well. <laughs> it went as planned. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Went, went scared, went off. No. Well, I was talking about authentic leadership and taking risks, embracing failures, all of that. So I hope I was living, living the, what the research says. Fantastic. Well, okay, let's put you on the spot. What does the research say? So authentic leadership, it's all about, it kind of starts with self-reflection, understanding your values, your goals, your reasons for being in education, and then being transparent about that. And the research kind of says that the more you do that, the more you kind of share in a transparent the way, the more you demonstrate your goals, your values, that that builds followership. And the more you do that, the more people in your team, the more people in your school, then they start being values driven, transparent in their approaches, willing to take risks, make failures. And then that builds group norms and it makes things sustainable, makes what people are doing worthy rather than just mundane. And that's, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell what we're exploring there, looking at different, we looked at a video, if you look on YouTube, Leadership from a Dancing Guy. It's about a guy at a music festival. He starts all alone in the middle of a field, dancing, dancing. He gets one follower. He embraces that follower. They're dancing in a crazy way together. And then before you know it, he's lost in the crowd. And we kind of explored how that is the mark of a true leader when you're no longer needed essentially in a school. Yeah. Okay. That sounds really, I mean, there's obviously a lot there to unpack, isn't there? There's mm. probably a lot to it. So let's just kind of go focusing on the empathy side of things. Cause that's the theme for this. Yep. Isn't it? How would you say then about this idea of authentic leadership that it connects and resonates with empathy? Mm. Because it's about reflection is where it all starts. So when you reflect and understand, you know, what is my goal, whether it's, more long-term in terms of school improvement or whether it's what's my goal in this conversation or in this initiative and then understanding as well you know having empathy of the person you're working with what are their goals being transparent asking them you know what are your values what drives you and in that reflection in that initial relationship you're building empathy you're truly understanding them rather than just knowing them you're understanding their values their goals and then hopefully the goal is that you're moving forward together and they understand you. There was one great quote in the research I presented is that through the journey of authentic leadership, you build authentic followership and you both learn about each other. Um, and that's the real goal. Bit of a challenging one of this day and age. I'm talking about this word authenticity. Mm. Do you think leaders also have a challenge and sometimes struggle to find an authentic identity when they are being or say leading or wanting to move into that space. Yeah. And that was one of the push, not pushbacks, but discussion points in the session was, well, in this region, you certainly can't always be your authentic self because of the nature of KHJ, DISB. You have to do things this way because you have to do things this way. So we talk about that. And also how much of yourself do you want to reveal? Some teachers, educators, students, parents, they need to see 
the head teacher with a tie, prim and proper at the front gates. They don't want to see a bit of a character dancing around playing with kids. Maybe primary head teachers get away with a bit more, but certainly in that. So it is a real challenge to be your authentic self. But again, it comes back to authenticity is not about just this is my hobbies. It's my interests about what are my goals? What are the values? And if you're authentic to that, in a lot of ways, you're further down the journey than just sharing, oh, this is my hobbies, my interests, those sorts of things. Okay. So if I'm uh, an aspirational leader listening to this, watching mm. this, what would be sort of that one piece of advice that you would give to them or recommend to them to start this journey of authentic leadership? I think especially in the early stages when you're beginning your middle leadership career is first understand what is your goal, whether it's on the small scale of an individual project or whether it's five years down the road of this English department, this is the way I see it, and sharing that with your team openly, candidly, and getting their feedback, that idea of balanced processing of understanding where the setbacks are, where people disagree. And in those early stages, all right, this is the academic year, September 1st, induction week, whatever you're looking at of, here are my goals for the year. Here's why I have these goals. Here's what drives me to be the best head of whatever or phase leader head of year. And then right away, at least when the challenging moments come, you can be, remember I said my goal is to, or I value this. It makes those difficult conversations a lot easier because you're not then six months down the line saying, yeah, but my goal was to do this thing and you're not doing that. Well, of course they're going to push back when they had no idea that was your goal. So I'd you know, say early days, set up that whole vision, be open, be transparent, be open to changing it, adapting it. And then that sets up a long-term kind of process within a team. It's a great piece of advice. Mm. Uh, definitely from experience as well. So I'd highly rec recommend people. I think transparency and leadership is you know, being open and honest. And I've had other people talk about that today, about human connections and, mm. and being real in terms of, I think it's open to, to obviously make mistakes and obviously express emotions and feelings and be able to say, I don't know everything and find a space where you can, you're not fearful, but you can be fearless mm. as it were. And I think authenticity goes some way in achieving that. So amazing. Thank you ever so much for dropping by not and, and speaking to us. Um, what are you looking forward to for the rest of the day? I just need to kind of, now that I've finished my session, I can actually think and actually look at the agenda and go and visit some things. I know because I was one of the first breakouts, the whole morning was like, am I ready? Is my, is the Wi-Fi connected? So now I can go and actually just enjoy myself. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you dropping by. Go and enjoy the rest of the day and uh, look forward to uh, speaking to you again soon. Thanks. Thanks for all you do. Jonathan, thank you for uh, dropping by and coming to speak to us on the International Classroom here live at the, the Middle East Leaders Conference. How are you finding the event so far? Um, this morning, it started off really well, I've got to say. Yeah, I thought Haley was very energized and just what she was saying, I think something there would resonate with everybody. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I like the idea that, that everyone's encouraged to write something and post it on social media. So I put something onto LinkedIn, probably has nothing to do with anything else I've ever <laughs> posted on LinkedIn. But um, yeah, there was something that resonated with me. Um, and yeah, I, I'm here, I'm part of a startup organization. I've got various contacts here that I'm meeting over coffee. And so yeah, I've had some good conversations so far. And uh, 
look forward to the lunch break because that's the next time when I can <laughs> speak to people again. Oh, you're going but this time speaking. I want to see if I can get some food I was in as well. Say, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to the lunch break for food reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're based in the Middle East. Yeah, based in Dubai. How long have you been here for? Oh my God! Right. Um, I came over in 1998, and I was a head of primary in Russell Kamer at that time. And yes, if you think what rack is today, think of what it was 20 years ago. Okay. Um, and I loved it. Um, four years there, worked in Riyadh at the British School in Riyadh. Uh, then went back to the UK for a little while, then came back here in 2004. Uh, I was principal of a school here until 2014. And then worked in the corporate world in recruitment for nine years as a MD of a UK company and then set up something with a, a colleague and a partner in March of last year. Wow. So, so I've been here a while. Been here a while. Yeah, there's not yeah. many buildings that I haven't seen <laughs> being erected on Sheikh Zayed Road. Yeah. So yeah, coming out as a young, sprightly 21-year-old. Uh, <laughs> um, so the, the I say the company, the business you've got now, still focusing on recruitment? Um, not directly. It's more in terms of the world of safeguarding Ooh. and safer recruitment. Uh, so, no, you can't ask me for, can I get you a job in Saudi Arabia? Or yeah. can I, a school can't ask me, can you help them find with a physics teacher? What we've done is, over the years, as a head and as uh, an international recruiter, I saw... A lot of what only could be described as malpractice, a lot of lip service being done in terms of due diligence and how things should be done. And as we've moved on with automation and AI, we've now seen an opportunity where we can develop a system that in fact we're calling a standard because it's above and beyond anything else, because it doesn't require humans to undertake it. So the focus is like anything to do with safeguarding, is the well-being of students. The focus is on trying to prevent predatory individuals gaining access to schools and those at risk. And also the, um, the corporate responsibility and the corporate damage that that could do as well. Because obviously it's the, the immediate impact is with the children that are in, impacted in a negative way but also the colleagues of that person and the organization that they work with as well. Um, so yeah, we're, we're a startup. I get goosebumps when I talk about it. Nobody's told us we're doing anything daft. Um, we've talked with individual schools. We've talked with governments. Um, there's nothing available today. It's still at development stage, so I can't sell you anything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's causing a lot of disruption in what is... I'd like to describe as an area where safer recruitment is very much in vogue now, and schools have been doing things for a number of years. But I, I equate it to a high bar world record, say at the Olympics, where last year it was this, and then this year it's moved three centimeters higher. We've come in and moved it a meter higher. Um, and yeah, we're having a lot of positive conversations. Wow, I think it's wonderful to hear. First of all, congratulations. Um, but secondly, yeah, I think in terms of what you talk about then in terms of recruitment and a safer recruitment, um, I think is, is really, really important in the world that we are currently sort of living in. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, let's think about your vision for the future. Is this something that teachers are going to be using? Is it something that schools will be using? Who is it you are aiming this at? 
ultimately it would be legislation. So it would be a government level where people working within an organization within that jurisdiction would have to comply. Um, the initial way in which it's doing, it's all about collecting the data in an organized way. And then how we can use automated technology and bots that everyone's going, oh, it's a bot and you've got to tick that capture box to say you're not. Um, but bots can be useful. And it's all to do with the technology allowing to do the searches that schools with deep pockets may have a HR department of four or five to do. Whereas schools without deep pockets could make mistakes. Um, so this removes that human error element. So who would use us? Schools, organizations, individuals, because they would have to complete the, the data to go in in the first place. Um, so they would complete a profile, their profiles would be scrutinized and investigated from the, from the outset, um, which means that at interview, uh, head teachers and the hiring team would have information readily available before they meet that person. Not something that, right, I really like this guy, can you check his references, please? So it's, it's like I said, it, it's been seen as a little bit of a disruptor. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you ever so much for coming to share with us. It's, it sounds fully like, exciting. Um, and also something that I think will be in years to come, we'll look back on, as you say, it'll just be a standard, a standard from there. So it's amazing, fantastic. And I can't let you go without just picking up the fact that I discern a slight little bit of Welsh in your voice there. Don't mention the rugby. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I was going to ask you more about what your thoughts are for this weekend. Um, okay, well, we lost first game by one point, second game by two points. So could we lose this one by three? I was going to say four because it doubles. <laughs> but uh, Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supposedly the last game in the traditional red and traditional green I saw, or something like that, and Ireland-Wales would play the last one. Really? really? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not, I, I just saw the headline. Didn't, really I didn't see it. that one. So we'll see. So, okay. um, But if people, aside from the rugby, people want to come and find you out, people want to learn more about this, where is the best place to find you? Um, 10kschools.com is the the website um obviously i'm i'm on linkedin so jonathan price just look me up and drop me a line um those are the two easiest ways of, of finding out what we're doing amazing amazing yeah. well thank you again for dropping by enjoy the rest of the conference hope everything goes well thanks alex brilliant thank you Wonderful. mark thank Bye. you ever so much for dropping by to speak to me today um how you found the morning inspiring if i'm honest i just sat on a panel uh talking about the secret source of a school culture um, and just from the other panelists, it was, I just got so many takeaways, uh, Hannah's session just before she was in our school last week, um, running a EDIB, uh, talk with us. And, um, then here in another context that she's put it in, it's fantastic. Just, I think these things are great. Just one networking, but just takeaways from every session has been really strong. Yeah, definitely. I've been very lucky to sit on the other side and have some conversations yeah. with people like Nadim, who's here, and then Haley, who gave the keynotes at the start. It's, uh, you can walk away from these events with a lot of good stuff, can't you? Look, I, I look around that room, um, just where they're all having lunch now, and there's so many inspiring educationalists. I want to go and talk to that person. I want to go and talk to that person. And they're here to listen and learn from others. And you think, but there's so much for them to give as well. So I think the conference is, is richer than just what the actual sessions are as well. Um, just, it's just really inspiring going out there and chatting to people. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so what are your feelings then? Obviously you've been there, so you've sat on this panel. Obviously the theme for the event is empathy. Mm. What's your take on that? 
Yeah, I, I think there's. I think empathy is absolutely key in a school. But what I think it it can't be misunderstood as as uh, don't misunderstand kindness or weakness. I think you still need to be strong as a leader. I think you still need to make decisive decisions. I think you still need to get people on board, um, and you need to challenge things that aren't right. And I think Fiona summed it up at the end of her her uh, part on the on the panel. Do it with dignity. So I think empathy is absolutely crucial. You just don't know what's happening to, inside someone that day. Yeah. Um, we don't know what's going on. You know, we could have, you know, someone could have had a, a, a ill kid. You could have all, you know, you, you could have a bad day on the way into work, etc. So you still have to have that, but it doesn't mean that you're um, just rolling over as a leader either. So I think it's getting the balance. Yeah. I mean, obviously you've got... Uh a very successful lineage as a leader here out in the Middle East as well, haven't you? Like if you were offering a piece of advice to people out there who are aspiring leaders um, and, and want to you know, get into that, not just assistant headship, but go even further in, what's that piece of advice that you would offer them when they start their journey? Yeah, and it's, it's, I think one of the challenges we find is when we get the title, everybody, including yourself, feels that you know the job. So the day before, you weren't an assistant head, and the next day you are, but you've got no more knowledge. So don't rush into things. You know, Grow in the role. Don't feel you have to be the, the Cape Crusader. Um, we often, you know, we've all I've fallen into that trap before, and it, it, it's not sustainable. So definitely be confident that you're in the right place to make a difference, but that difference isn't just from you. It's from many other people as well. Yeah, fantastic. A great, great piece of advice. Thank you ever so much for that. So we've got the rest of the afternoon. Once we get lunch out of the way, yeah. rest of the afternoon, what are you looking forward to this afternoon? I think it's pretty much the same as what was what the conference has offered. Is just the stories people have and, and thinking, oh, hearing someone's context and their story about that context and how they've improved things or taken on challenges. It's just, it's just something to take away. And I'll, I'll be driving back to Abu Dhabi and I'll be buzzing. <laughs> and, you know, for me, that's sort of recollecting those things. I think it's just fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Thank you ever so much for dropping by to speak to Always us Always a pleasure. Really, really appreciate it. And enjoy lunch and enjoy the afternoon as well. Thanks very thank much. You. Nick, thank you ever so much for dropping by coming to speak to us. Um, how has the conference been for you so far? Oh, it's been great to um, spend some time with people that I've already met uh, and kind of people in, within my organization, but also to meet some new people that I've only ever interacted with on social media. So it's, it's, a, it's great to... Um, to put faces to names and to have those conversations and build on those, um, the, the the social media connections and make yeah. them real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had that a few times today, actually. People go, ah, oh, it's great to meet you in real life. Yes. And it seems that that's been one of the reoccurring themes yes. throughout the events. It's like, you know, we see a lot on LinkedIn, don't we, and social Absolutely. media presences. Yeah. But actually now to have those conversations is mm. it's rich. Definitely. Um, and you had a quite, a, I think, a, a fruitful conversation, mm. didn't you, in terms of what you spoke about regarding school culture. So how did that go? Yeah, um, I always like talking about school culture and school leadership, and um, it's, it's always useful to sit amongst other really experienced, really expert expert leaders. So as much as kind of I found it valuable to speak and then solidify what I think, but it, it was great to hear um, some of the bits of wisdom from some of the other, other leaders on the panel. I mean, culture school culture is probably first among equals in terms of what we should be paying attention to and so having it as such an important part of day one of the of the conference is i think is great and if it if it means that some 
of the of the delegates the, the audience go away with um an inspiration or even just a bit of clarified thinking about school culture then that's a uh, it's wonderful it's a great job to set up a, a conference like this yeah it, most definitely i completely agree with you on that one but i'm still i'm going to ask you what is school culture <laughs> um so i would answer that as uh simply as the the way that everybody behaves thinks and the beliefs that underpin those um and i think there's a a, a couple of kind of points to clarify when we when we talk about when people talk about culture i think sometimes they mean climate how it feels mm. uh which is probably more measurable in terms of survey results and and things like that but for for me culture is um and influencing culture is trying to teach the organization that you run to uh to to believe and to act and to to be um who we want it to be uh, so fundamentally that is about trusting relationships i mean but, but I, i mentioned it in the panel that that trust is an outcome we can't just prioritize yeah. trust we can't just work on trust because it's too abstract it's too big um, but the behaviors that build trust absolutely we can invite challenge we can be kind we can um um be open and honest we can uh, be emotionally predictable all those things are probably smaller bits that that if everyone does it um tightens tightens a culture in a school but i think and my takeaway was that it's great to be working on culture and to do those things but if you do it in isolation you just end up with a bunch of nice people but the risk is educational standards aren't as high so so the the idea that school culture great but do something with it like um in, what's the educational improvement that that trust is the 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 lubricant for i think that's a a key takeaway so if i am a teacher out there listening yeah. to this and i am an advocate of culture mm. but i'm like i'm just a teacher i'm in a silo like what would be your response to that if someone said you know what i can't do it come on my own it's it sounds like it's an institutional thing mm. what would you recommend to them uh first i think it's not an institutional thing so one of the realizations that we all must come to is that we might strive for a whole school culture but our schools are big there's in my school alone there's 180 staff so uh, and it's a mature organization so there is no way that there is a a whole school culture because how each person experiences the school is entirely different the person who has been there for 20 years um as a teaching assistant experiences the school in a very different way to the 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 ECT that's just joined um and so we have to understand that there are that there could be one school but many different cultures and climates and if you're a teacher um in a department or in a year group uh, culture in that team can be different to the culture of another team or a culture of a phase or a culture of the school and so everyone has influence over the culture in their teams um just by the, the words they use how they behave what they pay attention to it's it's tempting to think it's influenced top down by principals and head teachers and senior leaders but the reality is it's influenced bottom up uh by what each of us individually pay attention to and how we react to different situations and how we treat other people fantastic and if i was to say right what would be three things i could go away with and do as soon as i get back into my classroom and consistently do that's going to improve the culture 
what three things would you recommend? So if you've got a, a you're working in a team of, of, of other colleagues, one of the most important thing, well, a couple of most important things I would say are um, invite challenge. Uh, you can't be the person who is invulnerable. You can't be the person who uh, nobody wants to upset. You can't be the person who uh, nobody questions because when you have yes people around you, then we don't grow. So the first thing, invite challenge. Um, but in, in order to do that, you have to be vulnerable. You have to ask, what have I missed? You have to say, I think I've made a mistake here. What do you see that I'm not seeing? That is... Uh, those two are probably two sides of the same coin. And I think it, it sounds simple, but if I could distill it into just two things, it, it's really simplistic. Be nice to everyone and make sure you know lots about your job, education, the school itself. Get those two things right. You can't go far wrong. Amazing. Fantastic advice. Um, thank you ever so much and say by dropping by and, and speaking with us. Um, so you've got the afternoon now. Yes. What are you looking forward to the most? Uh, so there's a couple of talks on this afternoon, which I'm looking forward to hearing more about. But like I said earlier, it's, it's the, then the conversations with the people sitting next to me, the conversations that I take back to school. It's a, the, these talks are a catalyst. Uh, today is not a one-off event. Today is part of a long-term learning for all of us. I'm looking forward to taking it back to school. Fantastic. Well, I hope you have some fantastic conversations. Thank afternoon. you. Thanks again.